Zook Binders is the go-to album company for professional photographers looking for a high-quality partner. For 26 years, they've been servicing mid- to high-end studios like Washington Photo and complement this with a full suite of services such as album design, image selection, photo editing, video editing, and website design. Visit them at zookbinders.com and listen to the podcast with their founder, Mark Zucker, on episodes 7 and 53. Coming up now on Visual Wow. Servitude was embedded in the domestic industry and, you know, for housekeepers and maids and nannies and, and chefs and in the cooking world. I mean, people were indentured into, into castles and kingdoms for a lifetime of that kind of work. And, and it's time to change that around. I believe that what chefs do is a professional service that doesn't put you beneath someone simply because you're serving. We have a serving heart and we do that well, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is better than us. And I, this whole ego thing is bound to crash if you've got to prove who you are, but then you know that you're less than and everything else. It's just out of balance. And so I believe the industry's right for a fix, and, and part of that comes from chefs being independent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow, the podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman. Welcome back, visual audience. I am Jack Hartsman, your host, and it is wonderful to have you listening to me once again. But this time you get to hear me with my very good friend, Holly Verbeck from Make Your Business Cook, a really dynamic name, a really dynamic person. I met her at Cater Source this past July down in Miami. Holly, welcome to the show. And I'm glad we finally got our calendars to line up together. Thank you, Jack. You presented to me, I saw you were gazing at some of our visual stuff and the booth that we were working on with Spot My Photos down in Miami. And I tried to talk to you about your business and it was so foreign to me that we got engrossed in a, in a big conversation because I thought I knew everything about the event industry. And you seem to have a very unique business. I'm going to give it to you uh, the way I would paraphrase it in my head and then you can certainly go into in depth with it. You have created a business where at chefs who maybe shouldn't or couldn't or don't want to be running their own businesses and their own restaurants or catering businesses, you have found a way for chefs to be more successful in the event industry. The same way that I have helped photographers by building a foundation to a photography studio and letting them be great photographers who may not be great business people. So in the short version, and I do remember one of the most important things you told me was that you don't cook. So that being said, how does a person who doesn't cook create a business for chefs? Oh, well, thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, one of the things that got me started was that I married a chef and found out that chefs, by and large, are overworked and underpaid. And so then I thought, well, there's a problem we need to solve or I won't be able to have babies and raise a family on one income. And uh, so I've been running a business ever since. Um, I help chefs to start and run their own business because so many chefs struggle with getting independent and living the life of their dreams and building the business of their dreams because they don't know where to start and they're overwhelmed with the steps it takes in the office and they try and do too much on their own. 
And the, the truth of it is that most chefs know more about cooking than they do about running a business. And what we really know is that they want to make people happy with the food that they cook. And I can help them do that in a way that's profitable, allows them to call their own shots and do what they love and get paid what they're worth. So I love the format. I mean, it's honestly, it's the same thing I've done with photographers. There's so many great photographers out there. There's so many great business people out there, but very few are both. And 30 years in this game, I've kind of learned that I, I finally figured out a way to build the formula. And now I can just bring photographers to that fold to make it work for everybody. I'm going to guess that marrying a chef was not just the only catalyst to pulling this whole thing together. What is your education before to like somewhere along the line, you saw the light bulb, you saw the socket, and then you screwed the two together. What is your, what is your education before that? Ah, thanks for asking. And you know, that similarity between you helping photographers and me helping chefs, that's really what attracted me to you and to your booth and what it is that you do. And so I'm so glad that we got to meet there. And uh, so I have a background in human resources, risk management, and corporate training. And so I had worked for an organization that had many different operations, which included 11 food and beverage establishments. And I was in charge of all the human resources and risk management training. And I simply applied all of those skills that I learned in corporate training 1,500 people in all different industries to hiring, to sales, to systems in the office, and put together a system that was built initially around my husband as a private chef, and then grew to the current business that we run here in Lake Tahoe, California, which has seasonally, give or take, between 30 and 70 on staff, on call, staff members and talented, your bartenders, baristas, shoppers, servers, and private chefs. I think it's, I think it's amazing what you've done and more importantly, how you use your skill set to adapt to this piece. You know, once you have the skill set in bringing people together and building teams, I went through the same thing about eight or nine years ago. A colleague of mine asked me to help him out with a restaurant. And before I knew it, I became the general manager of a restaurant. I, had, <laughs> I, I hadn't worked in a restaurant for 15 years, but it didn't take long to figure that the problem wasn't the restaurant. The problem was the management of the staff. And I know how to build staff. So I know how to make teams work together. So I took over for six months and basically hired and fired and, and reorganized, re reorganized the restaurant itself. And so I think when you have those skill sets, especially if you have event management or any kind of event experience where you know how to run the event, it is such a high pressure you know, job fundamentally that you become a master at doing a lot of things that most people just take for granted on how procedures come together and operations come together. Yeah. And that's really where the magic is, is being able to look at any activity as an event. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. Whether you're in the office doing your bookkeeping, whether you're on site doing a private chef gig, whether you're doing photography, the photography, there are stages to every event. And if you can break those down into systems so that you can consistently deliver and meet the expectations of your clients, no matter the menu, the venue, the number of guests. For you, it could be a bridal party of different sizes. It could be a corporate event where photography needs to be done in a classroom or lecture setting. If you can just look at the system and the event and every part of that in your business, then you can really create systems that allow you to duplicate, rinse and repeat and be consistent. Gotcha. So I guess the, the, the 
you've got the business model made, you've got the moving pieces. How do you find chefs? I mean, you're not, are you a temp agency for chefs? How do people find out about you and how do they, you know, chefs like photographers, they're very artsy fartsy. They all have opinions and they all have egos. How do they determine or go along with you when you find placement? And then how do they find you in the first place to be placed? I think that's a great, I have not thought about what would that piece be called? And I think maybe it's that I'm a foster home for chefs. Oh, <laughs> It's funny because I'm a foster home for photographers. That's right. Related somehow. My, yeah. my guest room constantly has a photographer living in it and yeah. not been the same one for more than 10 days. Right. And there's a number of chefs that come through. They're interested in building their own life and career as an independent chef, whether it's personal chef work or private chef work. And then they inquire and either they're not qualified to work with us because we've been in business for 25 years. And so we've established a, a great level of clientele and a high level of expectation, you know, for the reputation that we've built. And or when they come to us, they really start learning a lot about how it is that we do it. And it takes them a year or two before they go, oh, this is how great this can be. I can start doing it on my own. And a lot of times chefs who've come through us, they start building their own business and it takes them a while to get their own clientele. And so I'm augmenting their work as they're getting independent. But there are a number of private chef businesses in Lake Tahoe that are run by chefs who used to work for Hey Chef and figured out that it can be done. It can be profitable. And some of them come back for more coaching because, you know, they're not as organized as they'd like to be. They're not making as much profit as they'd like to. And so it's just a wonderful community. And so, uh, word of mouth is, is so you're not really just yeah, so, so you're not just placing them, but you're also mentoring them and helping them along as well. Well, I'm not necessarily mentoring them, but if they're paying attention, they figure out that what's going on here in my office that makes it easy for them to do their job well is something they ought to be learning. So Lake Tahoe is a resort community. It is mm -hmm. one of the most picturesque places on the planet. I'm glad that you have fared through the fires that were getting probably warming the back of your neck a little bit, all but too close. Uh, yeah, so Eva evacuations and people staying at our house and it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Oh, I'm really happy that you, that you uh, ended up on the good side of that. I know some people who have not fared well in the last yep. few years in the Northwest fire scenarios are going on there. Yep. So what happens with the ego when ego, I always say when the ego gets away in front of the wallet or the wallet gets in front of the ego where, you know, you, you say to chef X, you know, I've got this, you know, the Goldberg bar mitzvahs next Saturday and you're going to be working for this caterer creating this menu and then, yeah, sorry, that's just not my thing. I, I don't do sliders and fried macaroni and cheese, but what do you, <laughs> sorry, I've, I've done a few too many bar mitzvahs in my day, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but how do you, how do you um, get wallet in front of ego when it comes to their culinary talents and how they're actually going to perform, whether it's at a restaurant or, or for a caterer? Mm -hmm. Wallet in front of ego. Let me try and answer that. First of all, I don't cook, so I don't plan menus. <laughs> I have, right. So I'm having clients call me saying, this is the kind of party I would like. And as they're describing what results they want, I'm starting to match make and think, oh, I've got a chef 
that I could put into your home with my trained support staff of bartenders and servers and make this event really fantastic. So if a client's calling me and thinking about sushi, I'm automatically thinking about Chef Josh. If a client's calling and thinking about barbecue from the South, then I'm thinking about Chef Taylor and she does a wonderful job. So when I start talking to a chef, I tell them about the results that my client is looking for and I ask them to plan a menu and they create something custom for the client that reflects the occasion they're celebrating, the guests who are coming and the results they want to experience. So it's really a beautiful combination of a chef getting to be independent and getting to share their creativity and their vision and me being the middle person. Sometimes I've been called a chef pimp. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me for the ones that find success in your business model, what kind of feed do you ever get the revelation call or letter note card from the chefs where they just all of a sudden the light bulb screws in just bright enough and they, Oh my God, this actually can work for me. Like they've struggled for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. and, and how does that sound from them? Oh, well, is it, you know, for us, when I receive one of those emails or messages, it's usually somebody so relieved. And really, those are the moments that make our work so rewarding. Isn't it, Jack? Like some, somebody somebody just goes like Chef Rashida, she's in the DMV area. Is that the, okay, because I'm not from the East Coast, but she's in the DMV area and she says, I can't believe I waited this long to get this information yeah. and to do this well. And I should have done this five years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've exhausted myself, broken my body. You know, I've never had a holiday off. I can't believe that it's actually profitable to be a chef and I can make a living. Yeah, I, I have two different lines of my company. I have the photographer side of my business and I have the photo novelty side of my business. And ironically, the photo novelty side is usually the employees that are 16 to 30. And the photographers are usually 30 to 60. And the young people uh, who, you know, we pay over $25 an hour for a one day a week part time job. And so the young people who really understand the business, they stay with us for three, four, five, six, eight, 10 years. And what I have found of recent is some of them have landed really big jobs. And they tell me that their greatest secret to their success is knowing how to handle pressure that they learned working the bar mitzvah and the wedding market, that if you're running a photo booth, that's having a problem and you've got 50 kids and, and 40 Jewish mothers yelling at you because they can't get their four by six picture. You can handle any kind of pressure doing anything. <laughs> that's um, high pressure too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I, again, I come back to the power of the event industry and how many things that you have to be good at. But once you're good at it, it becomes, you know, almost second nature, simpleton about what the world is all about and how to get through simple everyday challenges. One of my recent, uh, one of my photographers, uh, the novelty guys who I actually recently just spent about an hour with, I haven't seen in a couple of years. He's now working in a kind of federal job that I'm not allowed to ask what the job is. And he travels all over the world doing things that I'm not allowed to ask him what he's doing. And he just tells me, he's like, people get stressed out in my job and I just don't have any problems with it because it's just not that stressful. And I, I take that as a great compliment. I wish the photographers who are thriving with me could, you know, I think photographers and, and I, I would think, but I'm happy to hear that you're telling me otherwise, like chefs, man, they really have a hard time finding the balance between ego and wallets. 
And I try to show people that they have a life, they're making money and they don't have to give up, you know, the world to have that side of the business or to, to have the balance of business and, and pleasure. And you seemingly have found that balance with your chefs and for your chefs. Oh, well, <laughs> you packed a lot in there. So first, let's talk about pressure. The pressures are very different for chefs who are going into different homes every sure. Every event, you know, the ovens are calibrated differently. The spoons are kept in a different drawer. So it's an entirely different kind of thinking and operating when you go from a restaurant where you handled one station to now handling an entire event, directing a crew, looking at different timing and having different expectations and menus for every event. So the pressure is real and it requires people to be able to think on their feet and solve problems, like you said. But if they work in a situation and for a company, like it sounds they do with you and with me, where they have the power to master a moment, then you become a problem solver and everything turns into great solutions. Like you, we also have clients that we can't tell you their names. Otherwise, I'd have to kill you. And we sign a oh, non-disclosure. Would you be doing that on air while I'm while we're yeah, right? This right. <laughs> yeah, non-disclosure agreements are real in our work as well. And so and that can be an issue of ego with our chefs because they really want to be able to tell everyone, oh, I rubbed elbows with so and so. I'm on a first name basis with, you know, this dignitary, that sort of thing. When really, and let's talk about ego there. What I think most is most interesting is when chefs start saying, oh, I've served this person or this person, this millionaire knows my name. That chef has immediately diminished their value by saying that they associate with these people. And the separation is really what makes it possible for them to believe that they are a servant rather than someone who serves. And I truly believe that when we're doing this work, you know, it wasn't long ago that servitude was embedded in the domestic industry and, you know, for housekeepers and maids and nannies and, and chefs and in the cooking world. I mean, people were indentured into, into castles and kingdoms for a lifetime of that kind of work. And, and it's time to change that around. I believe that what chefs do is a professional service that doesn't put you beneath someone simply because you're serving. We have a serving heart and we do that well, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is better than us. And I, this whole ego thing is bound to crash if you've got to prove who you are, but then you know that you're less than and everything else. It's just out of balance. And so I believe the industry is ripe for a fix. And, and part of that comes from chefs being independent. I've often thought that, well, I know at least from my own career that in the 90s and most of the 2000s, uh, up to about 2010, I photographed many, many countless numbers of celebrities and VIPs and world leaders and in very private environments, in green rooms, in their homes, huge celebrities and very, very famous people. And I have pictures that I could make volumes of books about. And I, I don't ever think I never go there because the reason I get called for those jobs is because I don't do that because we don't talk about those jobs. You're speaking my language. Yeah, we're privileged, to, we're privileged to be those purveyors that they call on, be your photographer, be your chef or a lighting technician, or even the florist who drops off the flowers for, you know, that magnificent whatever that we're not allowed to talk about. People deserve their respect. They deserve the privacy. They deserve their moments behind closed doors and we come and they're in counting they're counting on us for that 
and truly that's one of the ways that you can elevate your service to a new standard and command a higher level for your services by being the professional that they need. And this isn't about keeping their secrets. This is about the fact that when you're one of those personalities, they don't have moments of privacy and they need that. Every human needs that. And they also thrive on it. When when a, a VIP, for lack of a better way to say it, finds a vendor, finds a purveyor that they can uh, trust, that they can trust, that they're very loyal to you. Mm-hmm. You're financially speaking, the money usually comes back to you tenfold. I always I always listen to photographers and go, oh, my God, I'm not going to do that wedding because they said I can't put the pictures on social media. Well, it, it's not your wedding to put on social media. Yeah. And are you really going to give up a job because someone says you can't put the pictures on Instagram? I really I, it's where I keep coming back to. I'm sorry for being repetitious. It's that ego versus wallet. Yeah, there's enough other photos. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, at some point, I often ask people, are, are you in this industry for the green ribbons or the blue ribbons? Mm-hmm. And they usually don't know what I'm talking about. And for those who don't understand it quickly, green ribbons are the things that you can buy groceries with. You can pay your rent and your mortgage with. And blue ribbons are the things when you win first place at a competition and you go, ooh, 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 look at me, look at me. Well, if you focus on green ribbons, they tend to turn into blue ribbons. If you focus on blue ribbons, they tend to turn into nothing. And so I think that your philosophy on on what you've done for these chefs, the way you protect your clients is very similar to my business model, which makes us two smart people in, in one smart peapod. It's why I liked you and I enjoyed our conversation so much in Miami. I get what you're doing and I give you great props and kudos for how you've developed this business model, made it work, make it sing for you. Um, yeah. And it takes time. You know, there, there were times early on where when you get a big win like that inside, we are jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. I just scored an event with so and so. Right. And I know what human nature is when we scored that event and I had to sign the non-disclosure agreement. I couldn't tell anyone on my staff, even my husband, much less the chef who they were serving. We planned all the menus. And when they were headed to the event, I said, here's who you're serving. And their eyes just went, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's, it's natural for some of us, but it takes time to believe that you're on the same playing field, to understand that everyone is equal in the eyes of God. And just because you're the server this time, you know, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug, right? <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my father, who is 86 years old, who is a, PhD educated mechanical engineer, brilliant guy, but he has, but as I was run, as I was doing the things of the rich and famous, my dad used to remind me of something that his father used to remind him of. And that is when you rub elbows with the rich and famous, you get holes in your sleeves. Oh, interesting. And I think a better analogy would not be the windshield. It would be Bob Dylan's song. You're going to serve somebody. I mean, we're all just we're going to serve somebody. Right. And, and I choose to serve the kinds of clients who want excellence because we know that we can deliver it. It's taken time. We've developed systems so that we can execute that on a consistent basis. But I want to work with people who have the discretionary income to hold the kind of events that I know we can excel at. Because by doing so, it doesn't mean I get to rub elbows with people or I get to be rich. It means that then I have the power in my life to do more of the things that I want to do. 
and help more of the people that I help. So we have a charity partnership that we support through our profits. And I am so much more powerful in the walk that I make through this world by doing well. I'm not doing well so that I can have an ego and buy a ski boat and five motorcycles and whatever else I might want. It's because I want to do well with what I have and the gift that I can share with others. So your husband is a chef. Is he a restaurant chef? Is he a catering chef? Where does he fit into this business model? Does he does he groom or or interview the, the <laughs> incoming chefs? Does he does he pick the cream of the crop and pull them out for his own staff? How, how, how does being married to a master of of your universe work out for you? Oh well, <laughs> now we're getting personal. I remember early on in our marriage, he said, "You know, it's not your job to make sure that I'm working." I said, well, actually, I think it is (laughs) because the way chefs have been doing it in the past is by making 12 to $18 an hour in restaurants. And I got a bigger vision for this family. And I see you for the talented person that you are. And so we built the business around that. And now the two of us run Hey Chef. And he chooses not to work for as many clients anymore, but the demand for his services based on our reputation is still big and people will ask for him and they'll want to pay his prices and, and work with his menus. He's gotten to the point, for instance, he doesn't want to do events where somebody says, no, it's a dinner party for 15, but three people are vegetarian and one person doesn't like rice and the other person, this and that, he says, I don't want to cook for them. He said, if they want me, this is what I'm cooking. You know, Wolfgang Puck and, and many of the other personalities who are on people's lists to serve. I mean, Wolfgang's, you know, got a calendar that's filled up five years out for special events. And he says, this is what I'm going to make for this menu. And <laughs> right. And I'm not saying that he's a Wolfgang Puck, but we've just reached that point in our careers, in our business. He's reached a certain age. And chefs have bodies that break down, that we've got a lot of young chefs who are willing to just really put on a great show and are really anxious. And he's not as hungry for that. He wants to do what what he's been called to do and what he wants to share. No, he, I, loves, yeah, he loves baking. and I think that's great. I think that's You get to choose. Wonderful. You know, you get to choose. Yeah, I don't want to do bar mitzvahs anymore. I don't want to do, you know, pregnant, nine-month pregnant women. You get to choose the kind of events that you want to do. Yeah. It's... um. It is interesting as you start being in these industries for decades. I like to think of it as my palette for, I'm not too good to shoot for anybody, but I'm not the right guy for everything anymore. Mm -hmm. And no, I'm not interested in doing your headshot for $99. My price is sizably more expensive than that. But there's a reason that you're looking for the $99 headshot and why I don't offer it. Those two are very connected to each other. So I don't want to shoot bar mitzvahs every day or weddings every day, but I do a very nice compliment in my repertoire of what I still do is just enough of everything to make, to keep my life balanced and still have some kind of, you know, ability, ability to see my wife and my kids from time to time. Right. It is. And as you know, most of my, well, actually my entire family works in my company. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to teach my kids how, you know, working 24 seven is great as long as it's not quite 24 seven and no one mentored me that way when I was their age. So I I'm trying to still find a way to find balance and COVID has changed the buying, not potential, the buying strategies, the buying trends from our clients. People are, people are booking weddings three weeks in advance, a month in advance. It's ridiculous. And, and we have to, and we don't have the staff that we used to have. So I, I think we're all dealing with the same kinds of things, lack of service staff right now. 
very, yeah. very hard to find almost any kind of profession mm-hmm. in in hospitality that's as well staffed today as they were two years ago. True um, enough. I, but, but I've got a comment about that. And again, you packed in so much in there about balance in our lives. And right. we could talk about that for a while, too. But, you know, in terms of the challenges that we have for our staffing, I believe that if if you want the loyalty of your staff, then you've got to do a really good job being a leader and you've got to be as loyal to them. And so we, you know, for example, we had four cancellations during the two weeks where the fire situation was really bad. And I made sure that our staff got fully paid. And, you know, these are people who had to evacuate and move, you know, to another city for a number of weeks till they moved back. They were so appreciative for getting a paycheck, even though they didn't work. And that, you know, that's something that I can only do because I run a business that's profitable and I wouldn't want it to be otherwise, you know, for them to not get paid and then, you know, be out of work. I want them to run at the chance to work for our company. When I say I've got an event coming up and I need 26 uh, shifts to be filled, or I'm doing a one night event and I need eight shifts to be filled or three. I want them to run and say, pick me, pick me, pick me. And you only establish that by being the kind of leader that you've seen and admired and want to become. And that wasn't easy to do in the last couple of weeks. There were a couple of times that only my closest, most trusted people and God saw me cry and break down. It was it was a tough couple of weeks. There were a couple of days, there were two days where I just cried. And but I know that what I'm called to do, and it sounds like what you are as well, is to be this leader. And so it's my job to balance my life so that I can respond to that. And that's why those crazy people in charge of Silicon Valley companies exercise at four in the morning, taking spin classes because they're getting the energy out. You know, there's a lot of stress and pressure and challenges and problem solving that comes with being a business leader. And it's what I've been called to do. It's what I enjoy. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And in terms of balance, I love that uh, I have two children. They're now 22 and 17 at the time of this recording. And they've seen their entire lives, me running a business, creating a system, people coming to me, sharing their problems, me offering solutions, me putting out, you know, a fat stack of envelopes for payroll every two weeks. They see the impact, whether they're working in my business or not. And sometimes, you know, like, hey, come over here. I need some help, right? It's midnight, Christmas Eve, and I got three parties going out tomorrow. I need a little bit of help here or your presents aren't going to be wrapped. So they had to jump in and help. And both my children have had service jobs in restaurants so that they can understand. And I think everybody should work in a restaurant at one point in their life. I completely agree. So that they understand. But but they've seen it and they've seen the example and they're picking up things that their peers are not unless they have parents who are entrepreneurial as well. Well, I encourage the listening audience to not only check out your website, check out your Instagram at makeyourbusinesscook.com or on Instagram at makeyourbusinesscook. I think what you are doing, not just for your industry, but I think just your business model of helping people, clearly you and I are cut from the same cloth. My mom always used to say, you know, take care of others the way you want to be taken care of. You can't You'll never do bad doing good for other people. And you clearly seem to have heard my mom's words. Also, I think the way you have found this balance with your, you know, your skill set beforehand, marrying a chef, seeing this void in the industry 
and finding a way to enable these chefs to be successful despite themselves sometimes. Uh, big kudos, big props. I loved it when you told it to me in July, and I hope the listening audience really uh, has an opportunity to sink their teeth into what you said. And chefs, whether you're in Lake Tahoe or not, Holly is definitely one of those people you can reach out to and just ask questions. And if you're in the Lake Tahoe area, you need to pick up a quick gig. I know exactly where you can find <laughs> a quick gig to be picked up. Holly, any last minute thoughts? Uh, I've really enjoyed our chat. I'm really glad we finally got to do this. Thank you. Me too. And I think what I love most about what you're doing and what you understood quickly about what I'm doing is that you and I each have businesses that work, that we run because we're real life business owners. And we're now taking that knowledge and bringing it out and extending it to others. And there are an awful lot of coaches, and mentors and trainers out there who aren't walking the talk. Or if you pull the curtain back, you'll find they're not nearly as profitable. They just have a love for teaching. And so what we do with Hey Chef in Lake Tahoe is it works. We're a profitable company and it's allowed me to build this nationwide you know, reach to help chefs across the nation and beyond. We've gone over the borders to help chefs. And I just think it's really time. I mean, the pandemic highlighted how broken the food and beverage industry is. We've been proving for a long time it can be done differently. And if you're a chef who's been dreaming of taking that step and just don't know those first steps to take, there's an actual path you can follow that will get you results faster, better results sooner. And I'd love to share it with you. I, Ali, I, I just think your words are so inspirational there. There's just such good energy from the minute I met you right now to our conversation. I, I love people who walk on the sunny side of the street. I hope the listening audience really does take heed to what you're talking about and check out your website and, and follow Holly. She's good people. She's doing good things for good people. We, we both seem to be paying it forward. And I sleep well at night knowing that I do that. And I, I think you do probably as well. To the listening audience again, thank you so much for tuning in. We must be doing something right as we enter our second year on the Visual Podcast with more than a thousand downloads a month. You know, the, the special events community, it's not that big yet. It is kind of huge depending on where you are in the world, but people seem to like what we're talking about. This is really to spread good cheer, but also to learn from other people's lessons and to listen to how you can adapt your own businesses and be more successful in the event industry. Until next time we meet again, I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.